1: Howdy, 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 my friends. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM radio. Welcome back after the 4th of July. I had a marvelous time. I was in West Virginia, in Elkins, West Virginia, visiting with my good friend Mike House. And uh, I participated in a 4th of July uh, God and Country rally there. And it was fantastic, my friends. I love West Virginia. It was so much fun. Uh it was so relaxing. I mean it really really was. I love that uh I mean I, I do. I, I consider West Virginia at this point uh my my second home because uh, I spent so much time there. And uh I uh I really really uh, it, it was it was so much fun. The people are so humble. The people are just so good there. It was great. At any rate, I'm glad to be back and uh welcome to our show today. July, Saturday, July 11th, uh, 2020, my friends, I can't believe how quickly this year is going by. Uh, Let me tell you real quick about who our uh, guests are, and then we will go to our uh, commentaries because, man, uh, because, uh, friends, I have got, uh, I've got to unload. I've got to unload a little bit. Like I said, it was so much fun to be in in West Virginia. It was quiet. It was simple. It was uh, America. I mean, it really was. Uh, got on the plane, got off the plane in San Antonio and oh my gosh, the stuff that's been going on that happened over the weekend in other big communities. Incredible. Um, all right. So who are our guests? Our guests are, first of all, Mr. Todd Benzman, uh, from the center for immigration studies will be talking to us. He's going to be reporting. Get this my friends about the COVID refugees from Mexico that are flooding our American facilities, our American medical facilities along the border. And of points north, of course. As you all know, whenever the Border Patrol picks up somebody who is sick, they are automatically taken uh, to a hospital and provided uh, top-notch uh, uh, medical attention. In spite of what uh, the leftists and the media will say, yes, that's exactly what happens. They, pr- they get uh, medical attention courtesy of the um, uh, of the taxpayer. Well, guess what? Guess what? Mexico, no surprise, is uh, unable to provide uh, assistance or medical assistance, should I say, to uh, COVID patients. Uh, People are getting sick. uh, And of course, Mexico cannot provide uh, the assistance it needs. Uh, So these folks are crossing the border, coming into the United States and uh, getting help here in the United States, getting medical assistance, medical attention here in the United States. That is uh, not surprising, but it is rather annoying in my book because uh, the, the attention they're getting, my friends, is courtesy of the American uh, taxpayer. These folks are crossing uh, illegally. Uh, they are not here with visas, so there's no way to detect them. They're not here for permanent status. So how are we going to collect? You're not going to collect, and uh, the number of COVID refugees that are coming across, my friends, is tremendous. So Todd Benzman from the Center of Immigration Studies is going to be uh, chatting with us about that. Uh, next, we will have um, we will hear from Chris Hayek, and Chris is with the Immigration Reform Law Institute in Washington D.C. He's going to be talking to us about um, this. Ban on immigration on foreign workers that uh, the president has instituted, and that uh, the democrats and and some Republicans are having an absolute meltdown over uh, he uh, the uh, tra- the immigration ban uh extends to a lot of uh, a lot of employees or, or employers should I say uh, who hire foreign workers and uh the question is well, why are they hiring foreign workers when we 've got such a huge unemployment uh uh, situation in the united states why the heck are they going out of the country to hire folks when they could just as easily be hiring them here in te- here in the united states that uh has caused a great deal of consternation for a lot of lobbyists for big business for a lot of uh democrats who just want an open border who just want to keep people coming in regardless of whether or not they can they are uh they have work or not and uh so uh, chris hayek is going to be talking to us about that chris hayek from the immigration reform law institute Um, finally, finally, we have, um, Mr. Jason Jones, who is our border crime expert. And Jason is going to be talking to us about the large amount of meth, methamphetamine that is crossing the border. My friends, while we are so busy watching people have, uh, uh, fits in the streets in the United States, tearing down statues, burning flags, the, uh, amount of meth that's coming across the border is tremendous. And, uh, you know, again, uh, Jason points out very, very uh, logically, very, very well points out how the uh, cartels are uh, moving away from transporting people from uh, bringing in illegal aliens from from human smuggling uh, to drug smuggling. The human smuggling aspects, I mean, fewer people are coming across because, well, because uh, we've tightened up loopholes. They can't stay. They've got to, if they're coming from third countries, they've got to stay in Mexico. Or they are being, if they're Mexicans, they're being deported immediately. So the attraction to come across illegally is, uh, is a lot less. So the cartels want to make more money uh, or want to continue making money. So their next uh, fallback position is to start importing drugs. And they are bringing in a tonne. Uh, highest amount of uh, meth uh, in, ever. Uh, the largest amount of busts are are happening now. So Jason Jones is going to be talking to us about that. So those are our um, our guests that we will be we will be hearing from shortly. In the meantime, let me uh, give you a little bit of um, of uh, news uh, and commentary because it was absolutely bloody. It was one of the most violent uh, in, in history. And we're not at war. We're not in a in a civil war uh, declared war type situation. Uh, uh, Tons, tons of of shootings and stabbings. Okay, Um, in Chicago, which was already known. Chicago is already known for its gun violence. Sixty seven. More than sixty seven people were shot, including uh, at least 13 that were killed. That included uh, a seven year old girl and a 14 year old boy among the dead. Uh, Amazing. In Austin here in Austin. A seven-year-old girl in Austin uh, was uh, among uh, those that were killed. Incredible, you know, uh, just a, a, a sad situation. Uh, in uh, uh, in New York, uh, over uh, over fifty people were shot in New York. I, I, again, I, amazing, my friends. It just it's just incredible. Uh, the number, you know, the number of people that are that are that are being shot that are being uh, killed. Uh, the v- amount of violence, the amount of violence was is, is just enormous and, and out of control. In Atlanta, uh, a young girl, a little girl, was was shot. Uh, it, it was it, it has been a bloody, bloody weekend. And the problem Fourth of July, and the problem again, my friends, is because the presence of the of the police has been pulled back because the police have been point painted as the bad guys. And you know what's really, really irritating in this whole situation, my friends. What is so irritating in this situation is that Lori L- L- Lightfoot, as well as the uh, mayor of uh, Lori Lightfoot, the mayor of Chicago, as well as the mayor of uh, of Atlanta, they were quick to blame the guns, not the criminals, not the behavior of people in those communities. They blamed the guns for the extreme violence on the 4th of July. They refuse. These people continue to refuse to address the antisocial behavior, the thug culture That is very prevalent in black communities. It is there, my friends. And when you pull back the police, when the police surrender their role because people are calling them racist and because the police themselves don't want to be disrespected. They don't want to be sued. They don't want to be fired. I don't blame them. So the police pull back and the void is filled by people misbehaving. People who don't know how to control themselves, people who have antisocial attitudes, you know, the progressives and the liberal media, again, they excuse this type of, of, of the, the, that behavior. They excuse it. They justify it. These are just poor people who have, uh, who don't know how to behave. No kidding. They don't know how to behave themselves and who's going to teach them. How are they going to be controlled? You know, the same thing with the, uh, the additional problem that we've got besides the the police being pulled back, is that these characters, these these liberal uh, socialist leftist mayors are demanding that uh, criminals be released, that people in jail be released. And they are claiming, my friends, this is what's very, very entertaining. They're claiming that the whole system is racially biased against blacks. All right. There are a lot of blacks in the criminal justice system. But the minute that you pull back the police, look what happens in the black community. So my friends, it's not racism, it's culture. It's the behavior of folks that we've got to address. Uh, that's, you know, that, that's my initial rant. I'm sorry. Let me, let me just put it up. They're out there for that. In other news, uh, uh, I'm trying to calm down in other news. We had um, the president of Mexico was visiting here in in, uh, in the United States, came uh, to visit on Wednesday with uh, President Trump. And of course, the progressive and liberal news, you know, they they went uh, while uh, with, uh, you know, criticizing both of them, in fact, criticizing both of them. Um, the Los Angeles Times and uh, a few others uh, just, you know, uh, talked about how the uh, the the president of, of uh, Mexico was rolling over. And that he was a dummy; uh, they had no respect for him. While at the same time, of course, Trump is a racist bully. You know, uh, the liberal—you know—they remind the liberal news is quick to remind uh, everyone about how Trump has made some hard remarks about uh, illegal aliens and the border. Well, you know, wh- wh- the fact of the matter is, you know, that uh, uh, they forget that the or they ignore that the president, that President Trump, has done so much more to uh, to stop illegal immigration and to secure the border than any other than any other president ever has. He has done much more than anybody ever has. Um, let's talk about uh, uh, the Democrats in Washington, D.C. Uh, Joe Biden, of course, has uh, stated recently that he is uh, if he is elected, he is going to give amnesty to uh, at least 11 million, uh, you know, probably a whole lot more. But he's going to give uh, amnesty to 11 million illegal aliens uh, in in the United States. Plus, he's also going to raise the number of refugees. Now, let me remind you, my friends, the number of refugees, uh, that's going to include people like uh, Ilhan Omar. Uh, and uh, let me make a quick comment about her, because she made the comment uh, this week uh, about how early this week about how the uh economic system of the united states needs to, needs to be um, uh undone it needs to be uh destroyed it needs to be changed uh, amazing i mean i don't know how this woman raised her hand to defend the constitution and uh and and and, and talk this way uh the uh, squad uh the other 3 um uh ladies of color women of color in congress uh uh, besides Omar, Talib and Presley, and I'm not sure. Where, uh, oh, and, and AOC, they, um, uh, Talib and and uh, Ariana Presley from uh, Massachusetts, uh, they sponsored a um, a bill. Uh, get this, which uh, would uh, defund uh, police departments, which would defund ICE, DEA, and abolish the gang database. My friends, really, really opening it up, up open America up for crime. I mean, really would. Incredible. Uh, However, they do want to give uh, blacks reparation payments, as well as they want to uh, provide universal basic income to everybody. Oh, you know, these ladies, they push the envelope as far and as much as they can because uh, nobody challenges them. Nobody challenges them. You know, Democrats on on Tuesday already proposed a 60% slashing of ICE uh, of the immigration and customs enforcement uh, budget, and it's it was all directed at the uh, at the jails. Uh, it, amazing, it is. I mean, this these people are out of control, my friends. And if we don't push back, if conservatives and Republicans are uh, don't stop being afraid of pushing back, they will continue to push the envelope, and we will continue to move further and further left. We've got to push back. That's all there is to it. My gosh! So anyway, thank you for coming to the for uh, joining us today, my friends. Stay tuned for our first guest. Uh, This is uh, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP, nine thirty a.m. radio. The answer. Thank you for joining us. Call your friends and tell them to uh, join us.
2: Hello, El Conservador listeners. If you are interested in following George Rodriguez, El Conservador, we invite you to follow him at his internet website, elconservador.net. You can also follow him on Facebook at George Rodriguez, El Conservador and on Twitter at El Conservador for daily commentaries. You can also purchase his book, El Conservador, Conservative Opinions, online at Amazon.com. The book contains essays and commentaries about illegal immigration, fake news, and race relations. If you are interested in inviting El Conservador to speak to your group or event, please contact him through Facebook or through the station at 930amtheanswer.com. El Conservador thanks you for your support. Keep the fire of freedom burning.
1: Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM radio. And we've got our good friend, Mr. Todd Benzman from the uh, Center for Immigration Studies. And uh, I wanted to get Todd on uh, to talk to us today about the issue of uh, immigration and uh, COVID, particularly along the Texas border. Uh, I read this past uh, Monday, I believe, where. A uh, a community in, South, in in Mexico on the Mexican side of the border actually closed the border to Americans going across the border. But I'm not sure what we're doing on our side of the border. Uh, Todd, welcome to the show. Talk to us. What is going on on our side of the border with regards to COVID?
0: Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's um, it's ironic that the Mexicans are closing the border to Americans uh, because the wall street journal the washington post the new york times and even cnn have all reported that the covid uh flow of patients is coming from the other direction from mexico into the united states in large and significant numbers to get treatment in u.s hospitals especially uh well documented in california and in arizona Uh, where thousands of uh, COVID sick patients are entering through Yuma and at um, uh, Pima County and Santa Cruz County in Arizona, and also the Imperial Valley in California coming right over from Mexicali, uh, Juarez, uh, Nuevo Laredo to get medical attention in our facilities. It's really the other way around. And the border's wide open to those folks. Uh, We don't know exactly how many are coming. We're uh, my organization and some other folks who are uh, lawmakers, I'll say elected leaders, are uh, preparing to um, request all of that information from the state of Texas. But it's the other way around. Uh, the, the, The threat and the issue is coming from Mexico into the United States, filling up our hospital beds in California and Arizona, and very likely in Texas too.
1: and You know, it's amazing that 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 is happening. And again, the news media, the mainstream media, doesn't say too much about it. Never mind the local politic, the politicians. I mean, uh, we've got um, we've got uh, uh, Vicente. Uh, oh gosh, the uh, the congressman from. Um, from the McAllen Harlingen area, we sent the, I cannot remember his his last name for the life of me right now, but he was making the comment re, uh, yesterday about uh, the dangers that COVID is is posing, and why the president isn't doing enough, and why uh, the governor is allowing the uh, the, the uh, Republican Party to host a, a state convention in Houston, and, and you know, and they don't say anything about these people crossing the border. Never mind the fact that we're paying for it.
0: Well, we we know for a fact that in California and Arizona, that many thousands of COVID-infected patients are fleeing the overwhelmed Mexican hospital system. Mexico didn't do really any flattening of the curve uh, or encourage its its people to um, through enforcement or or just simply encouraging them until it was far too late to wear masks and do social distancing or anything like that, and now they're suffering the consequences in Mexico. Hospitals are a wreck all along their northern border with Texas, California, and Arizona, and those folks are coming in. Uh, They're not necessarily illegal. Some of them are American expats who were retirees living in retirement communities in Mexico, and the spread came in, and they didn't have anywhere to go, so they're coming over the border. You also have uh, people who are you know, Mexican citizens but also have American citizenship, so they're dual citizens who are fleeing that uh, system and coming over. And then you also have people who are just hold visas, you know, tourist visas, B1s, B2s, uh, green card holders, and that sort of thing, and they're uh, also coming over as an option. And then lastly, and probably the smallest group by, by everything that I'm told, but there are illegal migrants who are coming in who are extremely ill we had one in rio Grande city three days ago that i was told all about a woman crossed over extremely ill Uh, border patrol found her almost unconscious on the on the american side they called an ambulance they put her in the ambulance which took her to guess what a local hospital to get treatment uh we have lots of anecdotal reporting about illegal migrants who are crossing over sick, desperate for American hospital facilities, and Border Patrol transports them per policy right over to an American hospital. So, uh, you know, we definitely have an issue here. We don't know, really know how. Uh, we don't know the, the total scope or the contours of it, but it is definitely not just local spread. There are people coming over from Mexico with, with, with
1: COVID. You know, which is very, very interesting because in Brooks County, which is just north of the um, uh, of the border there and just north of McAllen, the uh, district attorney yesterday announced that um, people uh, who are who have tested positive for covid and are not wearing masks and who are are out and about in the public are going to be arrested. That's what he said. Now, I am not sure how they're going to do that. But again, uh, they are focusing on the citizens. What about uh, any illegal aliens or anybody or any immigrants that are, uh, you know, passing through that are not uh, uh, covered up, that are not following protocols? Well, first of all, it's patently absurd to try to
0: arrest somebody when you when you can't even tell whether they'd had COVID. Like, how are you going to tell that somebody had COVID and that they're out and about without a mask? That's absurd. But I would say that if we're going to start implementing policies uh, like re-instituting lockdowns on bars and businesses and restaurants and that sort of thing, uh, that you can't do that without also trying to do something about the people who are crossing the border. So it's absurd to, you know, pick, uh, you know, one source of COVID spread and ignore the one that might be politically incorrect or that has a, there's a political dimension to, you know, acknowledging that there are people coming over from Mexico's messed up hospital system right now. You have to do both. You just have to do both and there's room for both. We have to start figuring out ways to slow that flow over the border, however the flow it is and um, figure out what to do with uh, folks who, who are American citizens who have every right to come over? And I'm not sure we can stop those people, or people who are green card holders. I'm not sure we can stop them either. But but surely there there must be some better thinking that could go on there. Uh, and, but to ignore it completely is just um,
1: well, it's you know, deb- it's, <laughs> it's
0: just suicide. Why, it, why, it really why ignore it? Why why not accept all intelligence possible that you can get? To 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 put on a problem. Uh, don't don't ignore a good piece of intelligence just
3: because it's got a political dimension to it.
1: Well, we, uh, President uh, Obrador is going to be meeting with President uh, Trump, I believe, next week. Um, I am wondering, and I'm hoping that some discussion will take place regarding this COVID situation. Uh, although, you know, I'm sure they're going to be talking about. Uh, trade and the wall and a few other things, but I think that this COVID uh, issue needs to be addressed in some form or fashion. Correct?
0: Correct. Well, the back and forth uh, flow of people, pedestrians between Mexico and the U.S. has hardly stopped, even though there's supposed to be this emergency border closure for COVID for the pandemic. It's not happening. All all the border closure did was reduce the number of people who might be coming over for recreation in one way or the other one direction or the other everybody else is free to cross and even if you want to do recreation and you're crossing for to go you know to a mexican beach or you know whatever uh you know what are they going to do investigate your claim about why you're going over no there's it's really just almost unenforceable there is no border closure and i think that the the two presidents probably ought to get if. If Mexico is concerned and interested enough to stop Americans from coming in, then both of them ought to get together, the presidents get together and figure out a mutually beneficial way to stop everybody from coming in or slow the roll a little bit, slow the roll.
1: You got it. Folks, we've been talking with my good friend, uh, Mr. Todd Bensman, from the Center for Immigration Studies. Uh, Todd, tell the folks how they can follow you, how they can... uh, uh, research and how they can um, read more of your stuff.
0: Best way to reach me, uh, see my material, is at todbensman.com. Todbensman.com, and I've got a Twitter account, Bensman Todd.
2: Gotcha.
1: Thank you very, very much for taking time to be with us, my friends. Thanks for having me. You got it. Folks, once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM Radio The Answer. Howdy, 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 my friends. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM radio, The Answer. And uh, we've got a special guest with us, uh, Mr. Chris Hayek from um, the Immigration uh, Law Institute, the Immigration Reform Law Institute in Washington, D.C. Uh, And uh, Chris is going to chat with us because... There is a, uh, the president, uh, president Trump has suspended the issuance of green cards, which has caused a, uh, a meltdown among uh, a lot of folks. And I wanted Chris uh, to come on and talk to us and tell us, um, uh, about this suspension of the uh, green cards, uh, why it's important and, uh, why, uh, so, so much opposition. So Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you for being with us. Tell us about this situation. Why have the green cards been suspended, and um, why did the president do that, and why are people having such a fit over it? Well, the president
3: did it to protect American jobs. We have, uh, at the time he did it, and still have extremely high unemployment, and and it's important for people to realize that the president does have this power, partly inherently, partly because it was given to him by Congress in a statute to restrict the entry or suspend the entry of aliens, even all aliens, and then in the national interest, as he sees it. It's extraordinarily broad power, and the Supreme Court recognized that uh, a a couple years ago in the uh, travel cases. It it upheld the power, noted how broad it was, and subjected it only to very mild uh,
1: standard of review. So the president does have that, uh, I mean, obviously, uh, the authority to regulate who's going to be coming in, uh, and that's important within itself because we we need to know who's coming in and for what reason. Correct?
3: Yes, absolutely. I mean, uh, uh, unfortunately, he doesn't. You know, it, it doesn't translate into in the physical power to uh, check everybody who comes in illegally because no one's checking them. And it, so, so you need uh, walls and so forth to uh, you know you need to beef up border patrol too, and you know, to uh, actually have that operational control. Though I think they're getting uh, better. Um, but yeah, as far as um, who can come here legally. He can say no one can come here legally, and that's what he's done for green cards uh, issued abroad. And he did that because of the unemployment. Though you know the, the jobs that come open should go to Americans, not uh, uh,
1: foreign nationals. Correct. I mean, we do have a we do have a, a high unemployment rate. I don't know if people have noticed that, but we do have a high unemployment right now. And then uh, yes. it makes no sense to uh, be importing labor when we've uh, got such uh, so many unemployed laborers at this point. Yes,
3: and, and, in, and in fact, back in 1952, it was when the, this bill was discussed, everyone commented how broad a power it was, and it was defended by its sponsor who said that uh, it needs to include all aliens because what if there's a time of really high unemployment in the future? The president's going to want to—we're you know, going to want the president to have that power then. And in fact, it was absolutely uh, uh, right because Congress would not have acted. They're totally deadlocked, and they wouldn't have done anything— uh, like this and, and it just was very uh good that the president had the power to do it himself
1: now i find it very very you know the reason that i that uh, this caught my eye and i wanted to chat with you about it was because in my own family uh my father back in 1945 organized a uh, a union of printers in uh in laredo texas uh to uh, close the shops because there were mexican aliens that were coming over and working cheaper and uh you know replacing uh american laborers or americans of mexican descent who were printers and so if it was happening there then and there i mean i can just imagine at this point uh i cannot uh, you know i can't fathom why somebody would want to import laborers when we've got laborers here well it's
3: all the the eternal war between uh labor and capital. I mean, it's business versus the worker and, uh, the, um, you know, big business now supports Democrats and supports not having a border because then they get way more workers coming in and there's lots of wage competition. Wages go down and, uh, and unemployment increases and that just makes it better because you can have, uh, even more of a, you know, your pick of workers and, and, and the wages you pay them. And, uh, I mean, that's the reason for the massive opposition to uh, anything like this. And it's, uh, it takes somebody like the president, who is in office, uh, just to act in the national interest and, and, and you know, hopefully not be beholden to the uh, business interests.
1: So do you think, uh, I, I mean, this, uh, this case obviously hasn't gone to the Supreme Court, um, when do you expect it to, to go? And do you, do you think that there might be a favorable ruling on the matter?
3: Uh, well, the Supreme court has already weighed in on this particular power and, and upheld it. I think, uh, it would very much surprise me if, if, if they held anything different here. Now, you know, there's a couple cases where this power is being challenged and, uh, we just, it, it's still at the district court level and we'll just have to see, uh, how it goes. Uh, I mean if they got a bad appellate ruling would they even try for uh you know try to get Supreme Court
1: review. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. And uh and lately uh the president has uh, had some uh, some cases uh that that didn't go his way so I, you know we 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 should worry a little bit about that. So um you know the the oh, when I say that
3: oh no when I you know when I say that if they got a bad I mean a bad one for that it I I think the overwhelming chance is that uh appellate courts would uphold trump
1: ah gotcha and,
3: and the question would be whether the uh, plaintiffs would want to take it any further
1: right right yeah because that they, they might they might see the handwriting on the wall and that'll be the end of it uh-huh. yeah yeah <laughs> well uh then okay, the uh the situation that uh, you know the with uh, uh immigrate the immigration and nationality act uh as far as uh, the entry of any class, suspending the entering of any kind of uh the classes of aliens, um, you know, it, it, uh, it, it just explain real quick a little bit about uh, what uh, what that language means and what uh, you know how, how it how it came to be.
3: Well, it, it's very broad. It came to be in 1952 when they were rewriting the whole immigration code and creating the Immigration and Nationality Act as kind of an omnibus uh, big law, and it was felt that. The president needed this flexibility. You know, here we had uh, various systems set up for letting immigrants come in, and it was felt that that there should be a check on this, that in unusual circumstances uh, or just in the national interest, the president could uh, put a break on it. And so they passed language that said just that. And, And you have to remember, the president has inherent foreign affairs powers, uh, and immigration is part of foreign affairs, and so he has uh, something of this constitutional power already, and and Congress was just uh, granting him it fully, and as the Supreme Court observed, that that you know his power is kind of at its apex then.
1: Yeah, you know, another thing that I find very very interesting in this his, the historical aspects of it is that the um, the chairman of the uh, of of the uh, committee that sponsored in fact the sponsor i believe it was uh congressman uh, uh francis walter from uh from pennsylvania was a democrat <laughs> which i find you know i mean 1952 a democrat um, standing by uh, a republican president uh, on uh, this issue of uh, defending the border i, I mean or defending uh, american workers uh we've come a long way <laughs> the democrats have come a long way in the opposite direction at this point
3: yes it's, it's astonishing if you just go back you know uh, you know a couple years really uh you know hillary clinton's calling for a, uh, a wall and and you know it, the voting for the secure fence act as all the democrats did and uh um most of the things that that activists get upset about trump doing obama was doing it at the border
1: yeah caging children <laughs>
3: uh, yeah he started that and uh it it's um you know, a lot of the photos of that come from his era.
1: Correct. Correct. Uh, it's uh, it, it's amazing. I mean, you know, uh, in 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 uh, in Spanish, we have a we in Mex- in in, in uh, Mexico, we have a, a saying that says the fox never looks at, at, at their own tail. Uh, something similar to the pot calling the kettle black uh, saying you know it's amazing how they how they uh, have come how far they've come and how hypocritical they become uh, tell me tell the folks here at the end uh, about um, the uh, immigration reform law institute and where they can follow more about it how they can um, support uh, the uh, the organization
3: well there there are uh, we have a website it's early.org i r l i dot org, and then we're in Washington D.C. We've been around since 1986, and uh, you can read all about it on our on our website of it, and uh, find the places to uh, donate. They're not hard to find.
1: Excellent. Um, anything else that uh, you want to uh, share with us before we go?
3: Uh, no. I think. Um, well, let's see. Uh, I think Trump is doing uh, very well uh, in his response to the um coronavirus lockdowns and uh, the uh, the uh, consequent economic crisis and uh, in the area of immigration he's he's really uh, taking some pretty strong uh, steps and, and and our job is just to make sure they get upheld in the courts.
1: you got it buddy I mean it really is folks we've been talking with uh, our good friend Chris Hayek from uh, the immigration reform Law Institute Chris thank you very much for taking time uh, to be with us. Stay safe. Uh, Are you located in in D.C.? Yes. Yeah. So stay safe in the swamp, buddy. Stay safe in the swamp. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, thank you. Mm -hmm. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer.
2: You can also follow him on Facebook at George Rodriguez El Conservador and on Twitter at El Conservador for daily commentaries. You can also purchase his book, El Conservador, Conservative Opinions, online at Amazon.com. The book contains essays and commentaries about illegal immigration, fake news, and race relations. If you are interested in inviting El Conservador to speak to your group or event, Please contact him through Facebook or through the station at 930amtheanswer.com. El Conservador thanks you for your support. Keep the fire of freedom burning.
1: Howdy, 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 my friends. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM radio. And we've got our good friend, Mr. Jason Jones. Former uh, former law enforcement officer for the state, as well as uh, a border crime expert, and uh, also now uh, working with Breitbart. So, uh, Jason, welcome to the show. What is going on with uh, with the uh, drug trade in uh, in the last few days?
3: Yeah, sure, George. As always, it's great to be with you. Thanks for having me back. You
4: know, I'll tell you when it comes to what we are seeing in Mexico and the level of output from the cartel's methamphetamine labs, we, we truly are in a place we've never been before uh, in the history of our country and in Mexico. Um, the amount of methamphetamine being seized right now is just truly unprecedented. And I'll give you a qu- quick example of that. As of May, um, at our ports of entry, U.S. Customs and Border Protection have seized 92,000 pounds of methamphetamine. Wow. The reason that's significant and the reason we talk about it is because last year, fiscal year uh, 2019, they seized a total of 68,000 pounds, which was the record year. So we are on par this year to seize over 120,000 pounds. Now, that's just one agency um, at our ports of entry, but it is the best to look at on a monthly basis to be able to understand the ebb and flow of the cartel's output, not only for drugs coming into the United States, but what they're producing for the world. And just to give your audience a quick example of what I'm talking about on the evolution of these cartels and where they're going, they just seized in Slovakia 1.5 tons of methamphetamine, and guess where it came from, George?
1: Mexico. Oh, wow, in Slovenia.
4: Yes, sir. Things are really evolving. Um, That dope is going to be destined or was destined for Europe. It was going to make its way around. But, um, you know, this goes to show everything you hear me talk about with the evolution of these cartels, when global, how much bigger they are than what we traditionally understand and look at, and uh, just the sheer effects they can have on our country. And I will tell you, there will be a lot of secondary and third effects in our cities around the country, from this, we
3: we've we've never been here before.
1: It's it, uh, you know, and and the the issue again, uh, because a lot of people just don't know how dangerous meth is. Uh, we have marijuana, we've got cocaine coming in, uh, but uh, meth is much more dangerous uh, than uh, than those two than, than than marijuana or cocaine, correct? No,
4: absolutely is. And just the production of it is extremely dangerous, you know, uh, depending on the type of method when you're making methamphetamine, you can put out phosphine gas. You can't taste it, you can't smell it, and it kills you dead. That's why you see a lot of the uh, old domestic cooks that used to cook in the United States before the cartels took over with the super labs, you know, you would see families dead in a hotel room all the time. Well, that was because when they were making the methamphetamine, it was producing those kind of chemicals. The other thing that you, when you use to make methamphetamine, you use everything from lithium to red phosphorus to pseudoephedrine and, and other really hazardous chemicals, you put those together. And these chemical reactions that are created are just—they're incredible. So it is. They. This is a horrible, horrible drug on the human body.
1: Amazing. It, it really. It, it. It's amazing. And that much is coming in. So. So I guess the production by uh, the cartels in Mexico has really uh, ramp, ramped it up uh, quite a bit. I guess hasn't it? Transition to that,
4: I knew that there was going to be a problem because in 2019, you know, we, we had seized almost a million people coming into the country, but we saw a dramatic reduction of people who were trying to, to uh, sneak into the country between the ports of entry uh, by over 100,000 by the end of the year. So I knew going into 2020, the cartels were going to have to make up for revenue loss of people that were no longer going to be able to make it into the U.S. due to the Migration Protection Protocols or MPP program that the, uh, the Trump administration passed. And we are seeing that. I mean, if you look at the numbers now, I mean, last month there was, what, 23,000 people apprehended at the southwest border. I mean, that was a tremendous... Uh, um, policy for the U.S. government to have passed to, you know, no longer have so many people coming to the U.S., but the cartels recognized it, and they transitioned to methamphetamine, and I they couldn't really confirm it until around January, and this year, as you know, I've been on your program, I have written back-to-back articles on Breitbart, and I'll, I'll tell you where the concern is here, George. You know, there's not a week that goes by, I speak publicly on this around the country, that a family doesn't reach out to me and say, look, you know, we lost our son, we lost our daughter, our children, our hooked, our, our brother, you know, our, our sister. I mean, this affects families, and that's why I am doing everything I can to get the word out because
3: these drugs are truly horrible to what they do to families.
1: Yeah, I was, uh, I was just in Elkins, West Virginia, for the 4th, uh, 4th of July, visiting with some friends there, and uh, little Elkins, West Virginia, in the middle of Appalachia, has a meth problem. And, uh, you know, it, it is just, uh, it, it's very, very tragic. Now, I'll tell you what is further tragic is the effort that we've got going to reduce police forces and now a an outrageous bill uh, by the squad, these Democrat ladies in, in uh, the House of Representatives, who have proposed... Uh, reducing the uh, funding of police, of ICE, of the DEA, and one thing that I don't understand why, and you can maybe explain why it's important, but they want to uh, do away with the gang database. I don't understand that.
4: Yeah, I have to tell you, I don't either. That one really surprised me. I think any reasonable and prudent person would agree that gangs um, you know are known for distributing narcotics along with other forms of violence across this country. Why would you not want law enforcement to know who they are and to know when they cross a the border and I'll give you a great example in kind of how this how these databases help law enforcement at the operational side. Uh, let's talk about CBP, for example, every day they deal with millions of people legitimately crossing in and out of our country at our ports of entry, whether flying out via airplanes or whether uh, just crossing uh, at at the border. And those systems give them quick checks to be able to determine who's a gang member, who's a known drug trafficker, who may be wanted, who's a sex offender. Those same databases provide all of that. So when you hand, your, hand that CBP officer your identity and he swipes it, that computer immediately will give him a red alert to allow him to be able to flag people who could be criminals to be able to help stop drugs from flowing into our country, guns from going into Mexico, both ways. And, you know, to want to get rid of those databases to help provide law enforcement tips and leads to take criminals off the street, I mean, I, I George, it's hard to make sense of it.
1: Really, I mean, it is, it's almost like they are in league with, uh, with the crime bosses, with the cartels. I mean, to reduce law enforcement, both DEA, ICE, and police departments, and then turn around and want to get rid of the gang database, it, it floors me. It absolutely floors me.
4: It does me as well. And I will tell you, there are secondary and third effects to this. So let's just say they happen to get this passed. Make no doubt. Uh, we will see crime rise worse than we already are. Um, it will happen because these things help in the sharing of information. You know, after nine eleven, the big thing was the problem was we were not collaborating and we were not sharing information. These databases provide that ability. They help us all. And for law enforcement to be successful, and we proved it after 9-11, after looking at all the failures and the old thing they used to say of connect the dots, which I kind of always disagree with that term. But databases help us connect all of these different criminal groups from what one agency in California may see to what may be happening on our southern border in Texas. And it matters. It does matter in the protection of the people that we care about in this country.
1: Oh Yeah, it's amazing. I, I, you know, I am I am floored that such legislation has has even, you know, been proposed. And, uh, you know, whether it goes anywhere in the House, of course, uh, you know, there are hopefully some Democrats who will not sign on to it and not uh, even consider it. But we don't know. I mean, at this point, there is just so much emotion going on anti law enforcement that uh, I'm not sure where this where this bill would go. Uh, you know, uh, hopefully if it does go to the Senate, it will die there. But, uh, just the idea that they have proposed it just as it, it, it's outrageous to me, just absolutely outrageous.
4: Yeah, it's a real shame, you know, and I, I look at these databases as a tool in the toolbox, right? And if you keep removing those tools, there are secondary and third effects to this. And I can tell you, I, I just can't stress how how far we've come since 9-11 and what these databases have been able to provide us and help the men and women on the ground who are doing the work that we ask them to do to keep us safe.
1: Yeah, really. I mean, it it really has. I mean, that's the bottom line. The bottom line is the safety of the citizens for crying out loud. Uh, Tell Jason here at the close, tell the folks how, where they can read more about you, where they can follow you uh, and uh, you know, what um, what other things that uh, you might want to share with us. Sure,
4: absolutely. I appreciate that. We've got a new show coming out called Tripwires and Triggers. Uh, it'll be out weekly. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, on Facebook, social media, or you can just go to tripwiresandtriggers.com and, uh, you know, on a weekly basis I'm showing the the, the daily tripwires and trends of the cartels and transnational crime. So you
1: can find us there. Wow. Thank you very much for taking time to be with us again, uh, Jason. Uh, stay safe and uh, keep up the good work of uh, keeping us informed. You bet. Thanks a lot, George. You got it. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. Once again, my friends, thank you for joining us today on today uh, on the show. Um, let me encourage you. Please, 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 let me encourage all of you to please continue to support us. Uh, you can uh, follow me on Facebook at El Conservador. You can follow me on my webpage. Uh, On the Internet, at El Conservador, you can also uh, follow me on blog talk radio at El Conservador, Um, as well as uh, you can go to the KLUP 930 AM radio uh, uh, website and uh, you can uh, find my shows on there as well. Uh, All the previous shows. But thank you very much for supporting us. It is extremely important that you support us, my friends, because there are constant efforts to silence us, especially now. There are constant efforts to silence us, to uh, take away our free speech, to uh, get us off the internet, to uh, get us out of the off the radio. I mean, that, that's that it's that simple. Um, one last comment uh, that really stands out as they try to silence us—that it's a good example—is uh, this past week, uh, the um, mayor of uh, Mayor uh, Sylvester Turner of Houston canceled the um, Republican, the state Republican uh, convention that was going to happen in Houston this weekend. Uh, you know, my friends, it sets a terrible precedent. Once a local official who disagrees politically with uh, an, an organization, once he takes it upon himself to cancel the uh, political organization's meeting, uh, he is denying, he is literally denying uh, the, uh, 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 the First Amendment right of of a free association, of a free and peaceful gathering, that's what he's doing. But he's doing it in the name of public safety. Well, you know, it's getting old. It's getting old this uh, argument, uh, this justification that everything that we've got to do is for the public safety, and it limits our our freedoms. Limiting our freedom in the name of public safety is getting old, my friends. It's getting old. So once again, thank you for joining us, my friends. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP 930 AM radio, The Answer. Till next week, stay strong.